When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong, Jackie back, Jack, and Joe Getty, Joey baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty, but I know this: they're loco. And everyone knows it, but the dramatics could come down just a little bit. And now he is Armstrong and Getty. So this is uh, this is a shocking and really informative report from Steve Harrigan on Fox News, um, and and I'm kicking myself a bit for not seeing this coming. Would you like some of us to kick you also? Oh boy, <laughs> there's a line out the door of people volunteering. Uh, we're, the, the topic in general is the blue states decriminalizing of crime. And there are various examples from various states. And the so-called criminal justice reform that your George Soros-sponsored DAs are participating in, uh, where they, they look at who's incarcerated and say, hey, it's disproportionately black men, so obviously it's a racist system, so obviously we're just not going to charge anybody with serious crimes. Or we're going to reduce what were serious crimes down to misdemeanors and minor crimes, and nobody's going to pay attention at all. We've we've observed, and it was easy to predict, in fact, we did predict rather strenuously when California was voting on a couple of just idiotic ballot measures, that this would lead to rampant crime. What I failed to get, and this is why I'm kicking myself, is that rampant crime being permitted leads to rampant profit from crime. And that... The people who notice that rampant profit aren't just going to be local yokels who want to steal some stuff and get money for a car. I thought. Or to take drugs or whatever. I was told people are just stealing this stuff because the economy's so bad that they have to steal toothpaste and razors and other expensive items because they can't afford to buy them. Well, if you believe that, you're dumber than the president's vicious dog and you're being lied to. At any rate, Steve Harrigan. 
fills in the blanks here on the free market of criminal enterprise at work. Start with 50, Michael. Four states have formed a task force with the Homeland Security Department to battle organized retail theft. Different from shoplifting, due to the massive amounts being stolen, the sophistication of the thieves, and in some cases, law enforcement says, who is behind it? Drug cartels. These are sophisticated transnational organized crime networks that have ties to Latin America. We call them South American theft groups, and they're associated with high-level criminal activity in the United States. So that's your first clue. Hey, there's practically unlimited profit to be made in blue states by stealing. Transnational criminal organizations have noticed. They're now moving to exploit the lawlessness. Yeah, I didn't immediately think of that when this uh, trend started to go in with a trash bag and wipe the shelf clean of razor blades. But yeah, I suppose, suppose that makes sense. It was interesting. We were watching a uh, video the other day. Uh, oh, I guess it was that CBS News report in which they were reporting on rampant theft and crime and, and shoplifting, whatever you want to call it. And uh, while they were filming the report, in the, I think it was a CVS, uh, they witnessed three different thefts. And the one dude, the video I watched, it was striking because he grabs several items that he wanted and strolls out as if he'd paid for them. Utterly unhurried, unharried, unworried about anything. Um. So it's that easy. Yeah, I'm sure the first time you did it, he maybe looked around a little bit and thought, am I going to get away with this? But the tenth time you do it, you start to realize oh, nobody's paying any attention. Well, hell, you might as well say, hey, Jim, how are you? Uh, how are you? To the store manager. Uh, rolling on with that report, please. Targeted theft on a massive scale is changing the way stores do business. Dollar Tree has stopped selling men's underwear. Ulta locks perfume in cases. Home Depot ties down power tools with steel cables. Employees are often caught in the middle, fired if they try to intervene, while at the same time at the risk of attack from thieves. I love my job. Donna Hansborough, a 68-year-old Lowe's employee, got it both ways. Punched in the face three times by a thief wheeling out a shopping cart, then fired for violating company policy. On Monday, Lowe's announced she'll get her job back. Yeah, after there was a, a, a huge backlash in social media. I followed that story over the weekend. That was horrible. God, that whole that whole thing of where you're not allowed to try to stop theft, and if you do, you'll get fired? Yeah. While the person stealing stuff gets free? That is really maddening. Who's buying their underwear at the dollar store? I didn't know the dollar store sold underwear. I'm happy to announce that I'm at the point in my life financially where I can go ahead and go to the Walmart, for instance, and get the highfalutin underwear of the Walmart. <laughs> the rich man's underpants from Target. Um, I, I would point out a couple of things about that little angle, about the uh, the retail is changing and the people getting fired. Uh, first of all, clearly, it's made life worse for all of oh, us. Oh, sure. Less convenient, just weird, and just just not good. And the reason the those uh, store employees try to intercede, it's not their stuff, right? It's, they're not going to lose any money over it. What it is is human beings have an innate desire for justice. They don't like to see the rules we have all agreed on, the social compact, being violated. It's offensive. It makes us angry. And those employees are just standing up for humanity and civilization. And for that, they're being fired. But I, I warn ye, and I'm thinking about the, the Soviet Union and similar uh, corrupt uh, societies where people just give up hope. 
if you continually quash people's desire to see justice done, you will end up in a society you do not want to live in. No, you'll get way more people who are who are willing to risk their safety to stop theft because they're so just offended by it. It like hurts your brain. Right. The idea of somebody gets to come in here and grab a drill off the shelf and walk out of the lows bothers you so much you're willing to fight for it, even though it's not your money. Yeah, you kill that spirit, and people are going to flip to the other side. That's what happens in these countries like the Soviet right. Union or wherever. You just think, well, I'm going to start taking stuff. That's the, you know, when in Rome. Yeah, if theft is the route to success, I will steal. So Steve goes into a little detail on how organized theft and shoplifting differ, but I think we can understand that. Let's skip to 53, Michael, to wrap it up. One factor behind the double-digit growth of organized retail theft is the Internet. Third-party resellers can often move warehouses full of items online and remain anonymous. They found an opportunity. They found something that was very easy to do and low risk. And so we've got to make it higher risk. We've got to make it lower reward and we've got to make sure that they understand there are consequences major retailers are pushing for online transparency to know who the high volume internet sellers are as a first step need to make it higher risk and lower reward you mean the way it has worked my whole life up until recently yeah and for hundreds of years uh yeah that might be a good idea so katie your husband is at a bank and gets a gun stuck in his face like so what kind of an area are we talking about here before we hear the story it's small town just you know all age ranges not very far from a school across the street from a safeway so not not a janky shady you no. kind of expect it there sort of place Mm-mm, okay not at all so what happened so he went to Wells Fargo around 2.30 in the afternoon. So, you know, middle of the afternoon. Uh, Boy, that's out. not even on my mind. I pull into the bank at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Pulls in, goes inside, does whatever he has to do. And on the way out, he hears some commotion out, out in the parking lot. And when he walks out, there's another gentleman with them. He sees four guys, two of them with rifles. Oh, my God. Robbing this woman. One has her by the hair. And she's screaming. So my husband and the other gentleman went kind of walking in that direction. And the two guys pointed the guns right at them. Right. You want a piece of this? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Probably is the answer. And they proceeded to get her purse. They 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 hit her with both of the rifles. I'm reading this morning. She's, she's oh. doing okay. But once in the back of the head and once in the temple. And then they all got into the car and drove off. And authorities are asking for any information. Well, your husband had to be pretty concerned i mean somebody points a gun at you that you know there's the opportunity that they're just going to actually shoot you right and that and that was his point he was like i wanted so badly to help and try to try to stop them from hurting this woman but then they both there were two firearms pointed at him at his face wow and thank god the victim is uh physically probably going to be okay but she was beaten to the ground beaten on the head to the ground by two men with guns who stole her stuff she will never be the same no no, and I'm reading this morning in the update, which is coming from her cousin, saying that she is okay, but she's very shaken up and does not want to go anywhere. Well, that's horrible, obviously, but yeah. your husband, I've never had a loaded gun pointed at me. I mean, no, that's, that's a minor, not a minor thing. Also very shaken up when he got home. I'm sure. A mixture of fear and, uh, you know, and guilt because he wanted to help. Yeah. And yeah. anger, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that too. But, what? you know, just right in the, right in the middle of the day. 
Sure, so your animal brain reaction to that would be, when's the next time you're comfortable anywhere? After you get a gun right. pointed at you in the middle of the day, just running an errand. Mm-hmm. It would take a very long time. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Everybody involved. And uh, my theory, which I am quite confident in, and it, I've seen it in kids and, and, and players on teams and dogs, including the president's vicious dog. An update on that coming up. <laughs> wow. If you set the limit at whatever, just to illustrate the point, level three. The kid, the dog, the player, whatever, will experiment with level four. They'll see if they can get away with level four. Sure. And if they can, they will take a shot at level five and see what happens at level five until a, uh, until a firm stop is given to them. Likewise, when you decriminalize crime in these blue states in America, what used to be an arrestable offense and a serious repercussion for somebody's life is removed. They are going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And we have removed so many of the lines. They have now pushed to the point of, you know, strong arm gun wielding robberies in the middle of the day in suburbia how's your utopia coming along good lord jack armstrong and joe getty the armstrong and getty show jack armstrong and joe getty the armstrong and getty show well, getting back to the theme of gender-bending madness, which is uh, where we're going with this, uh, Chino Valley Unified School Board had a meeting recently um, in which the board was going to vote on what are, to me, uh, a set of mostly very common-sense guidelines. You cannot change a kid's gender, start referring to her as him, calling her Jimmy, etc., and not tell the parents. You should not be offering gender-bending education to little kids and that sort of thing. It's horrific. And no less than the state superintendent of instruction, Tony Thurmond of Cal Unicornia, appeared at this Southern California school board meeting meeting to try to talk them out of it now i'll we'll play what he said and then i'll describe some of the visuals go ahead michael with 27 that nearly half of students who identify as being lgbtq plus are considering suicide i ask you to consider this that the policy that you consider tonight not only may fall outside of the laws that respect privacy and safety for our students but may put our students at risk because they may not be in homes where they can be safe time 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 and then thurman tries to keep talking and shouting over and just play the next clip guys be respectful i am going to do a point of order which i learned from a previous board president tony thurman I appreciate you being here tremendously, but here's the problem. We're here because of people like you. You're in Sacramento proposing things that pervert children. You had a chance to come and talk to me, Tony. By all means, you had a chance to come talk to me. Why was it so important for you to walk with my opponent? You are the very reason why we're in this. May I have... As a point of order, as the board no order, this is not your meeting. You may have a seat because if I did that to you in Sacramento, you would not accept it. Please sit. I get a point of order? You're not going to blackmail us. You already sent us a blackmailing letter on previous point things. Of you order. Will not, you'll not bully us here in Chino. Please sit. Point of order. In Chino. Point of order. Take a five-minute break. Point of order. 
esquerda até agora. What are they chanting? You know, I, I figured that out yesterday, and I can't remember now. We won't be bullied or, or something like that. Um, and then the vote moments later. And I'll do a roll call out of respect to my colleagues. Mr. Bridge. No. Mr. Monroe. Yes. Mr. Cruz. Yes. Mr. Na. Aye. And I'm a yes. The motion passes four to one. Wow, that's an exciting little deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. And I'm told by folks in the area that there's a, an influential church in the area that um, is a fairly fundamentalist and is important in the school district. And sometimes maybe they even go overboard and what ought to be in schools and that sort of thing. But I, I, I find that practically irrelevant when you look at the fact that the vast majority of Americans, I mean, huge majorities, think it's awful to be teaching little kids about you know gender fluidity and the gender bred person they're teaching this stuff in kindergarten it's absolutely outrageous it's sick that uh that video by the way which i became aware of through the twitter account of a group called gays against groomers it's gay people who are absolutely not down with the wild radical gender theory crowd they are much more sane and traditional as saying, no, I'm a guy. I'm a gay man. I'm a man. And, and a lot of these people are activists on the stop putting young, effeminate men through surgeries and hormones because they're gay. They're not transgender. They're gay. Let them be gay. And we appreciate their uh, their assistance in fighting against the insanity, but... Uh, I say, well done. Way to stand up to the big, impressive, far-left Sacramento bureaucrat who's trying to talk you into teaching sickness in your school. And the idea that, uh, oh, uh, you know, and I have a lot of information on this. We'll we'll get to it at some point. But those studies that are always cited about, they're at 50% risk right. of suicide. That is cherry-picked garbage data. It is utterly scientifically invalid. And for the big bureaucrat to come down there and tell them, this is about privacy. Yeah, a f confused 14-year-old being talked into being transgender by activist teachers and you not being informed about it. That's your, that, the privacy is for the activists to do whatever they want. You can't give your kid a Tylenol, but the teachers can change their sex. <laughs> Uh, Armstrong and Getty. What in God's name? It's 100 on the crazy meter. Well, that bad it Man, that makes my soul bleed. That's insane. It's a little too much donkey talk. Unacceptable! The reality is, is... Things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Journalist with The Atlantic sent out a request to his readers <clears throat> asking, what do people not get about your job? Or what did they get wrong about it? And he got hundreds and hundreds of answers and compiled some of his favorites. Here's a humanitarian. <clears throat> the biggest misconception I've found is that people think I must be a lovely person. I'm a humanitarian currently in a war zone. My friends often assume I'm standing on the back of a truck handing out supplies. But in fact, I'm currently sitting on a bench balancing my computer on my knee while I try to get enough internet to request more supplies from my logistics team and up and an updated budget from the finance team and more time to finalize a report that was due a week ago to a donor. The biggest misconception I found is that people, especially on dating sites, think I must be a lovely person. I'm not I'm I'm not saying I'm not nice, but I wouldn't have gotten very far in this job if I weren't ambitious, determined, and downright stubborn at times. Uh, the assumption is I do the, all this out of the goodness of my heart, but I actually I'm highly well qualified. I don't know anyone in my job without a master's. Reasonably well paid, not compared to the private sector, but you can't spend much in a lockdown, so my finances are okay. And I do it because I love it, not because I think I should, et cetera, et cetera. thought that was interesting. One of the takeaways from when you were doing this list earlier is most people saying the thing I got into this job to do, I don't spend that much time doing, which is frustrating. Oh, yeah. Like the chef who says, I'm a middle manager. I do scheduling and ordering and stuff like that. That's 90% of my job. I'm not pondering which cheese to add to my whatever to make it more delicious. 
Right, exactly. More cheese. Always more cheese. If I don't want all the cheese, I'll get rid of it. Uh, an IT project manager. I found this so interesting. I actually have a uh, a good friend. It's a, the, the wife of uh, one of my friends who's who does this. And I've never known her really to talk about tech. And I was a little confused by this. But what, what does this IT a, stand for? Information technology. Information technology. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a BA in geography and I do just fine. Most people assume I was a developer or have computer science or engineering degree that I couldn't possibly be a good IT project manager without this background. A Actually, BA I have a ba- in geography. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want to be when you get a BA in geography? I don't know. Look at maps and point out. See that? It's Belgium. Great Plains or something, aren't they? Mm. Hmm. Flat. Hmm. You know oh, what the I most prominent a... grasses oh, are? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many oceans there are? Really just one. <laughs> Take a look. You see I'm right. <laughs> so this IT project manager says, I have a BA in geography and do just fine in the IT world. Sure, I have limitations when the techies get into the weeds, but I can also use my lack of formal technical skills to my advantage. For one, I'm not too proud to ask the dumb or obvious questions that my tech colleagues avoid for fear of looking less well tech savvy. No one expects me to know better. Oh, wow. and they, they don't say it, but uh, unspoken, I think, is the... I look at this stuff like users look at it, mm. not like experts look That's at it. That's what the whole world of technology needs is more people who can look at it like a user, like a regular yeah. person. Yeah, you know what? I got to ask uh, my friend about that and, and what she does specifically. Anyway, a couple of lobbyists answered the question in interesting ways. What do people not understand about my job? I assume you hang around in the lobby. Most people assume lobbying is legal money laundering. Most people are quite correct. It's this one. <laughs> I worked as a lobbyist at the Texas Capitol for more than 20 years. Most people assume lobbying is legal money laundering, and most people are quite correct. However, not all lobbyists are money changers in the temple. In fact, many of us do not make campaign contributions at all we don't wine and dine legislatures legislators or even work for big corporations or special interests many lobbyists also represent low-income families nonprofit organizations and well the not so horrible stuff Mm, yeah another lobbyist said first i don't buy elected officials the money is used to build a relationship and keep them in office i never buy votes or access there, um, yeah, that's that. Mm. That's an interesting couple of sentences, isn't it? Yeah, I think that sentence contradicts the first sentence. Yeah. There are bad apples. We see them all the time. Most of us are ethically bound to never blend the line of an ask for a vote or a favor in handing over a check. But again. That's got to be a very on. squishy area. Sure. I write you a big campaign check, then show up two weeks later and say, this is a really important vote for us. Or I take you out to eat at super fancy restaurants all the time and talk about my thing, and you come because the restaurant's so nice. I mean, I don't know. Second, I'm not a fat cat. Well, there are some exceptions. A reception grip and grin is basically it. Sure, I can eat and drink well, but we spend 90% of our day walking from office to office. Third, and this is the part I really liked or was intrigued by, the American process isn't broken. It's just super, super slow and complicated. Hundreds of bills are signed into law each year. Getting those done is a considerable lift because only small groups care about them versus, say, the big transportation bill, clean energy investments, or the CHIPS or Science Act. The small laws change people's lives a lot more than anyone knows. Mm. Uh, partisanship is real and a myth at the same time. The GOP hated Trump. 
The Dems don't like Biden. The question is, do they have the muster to admit it publicly? There are good people on both sides, but more often than not, the names you hear a lot, a few Southern and New England senators are totally in it for the headlines. The rest want to get stuff done. New England said, oh, Bernie. Hmm. Talking about Bernie and maybe, what, Lindsey Graham? I don't think Bernie's in it for the headlines. I think he's a socialist. An out and proud socialist has been his whole life. But anyway, don't want to get off on that. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I'm trying to figure out who they're referring to. Um, the neurologist or the neuroscientist stuff is really interested, interesting, but it's really long. And we'll publish this whole thing for you or link it at armstrongandgetty.com. What time is it? What is it? Yeah, we should, people think I uh, drill into people's brains every day. <laughs> it's like every other day. So uh, Derek Thompson is a journalist. He writes for The Atlantic mostly about work, technology, and, and that sort of thing. And he put out the word to the people who like his column, uh, hey, what do people not get about your job? And he expected a few dozen responses and got several hundred. And he's compiled what he considered the most interesting ones. And we've been enjoying going through some of them. Uh, and I've saved some of the best for last. Let me scroll down. Uh, nurse. What people don't get about being a nurse. Patients in the hospital have no idea how much bull danger, and negative experiences we keep from reaching them. Even when we're not physically with you, we're advocating for you and coordinating your care. We collaborate with pharmacy, respiratory, doctors, consulting teams, case management, social work, dietary nutrition, imaging, physical therapy, occupational therapy, lab, phlebotomy, central supply, environmental services, transportation, even the chaplain. We're the middleman for all of those for every single patient. There's so much going on in the back. Background in addition to what patients see. Wow. Thanks for well, keeping it from me while I'm laying there, you know, in pain. Well, and and I know some nurses and people in nurse training programs and stuff like that. It's absolutely brutal how short-staffed hospitals are these days in the name of profit. I'm not an expert on it, but it is a serious problem. Um, and by the way, if you're in any of these professions and you'd like to expound, uh, hit us with an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Maybe we'll share them tomorrow or soon, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, I'm going to go past a couple quickly because I want to get to my favorite. Um, uh, opera singer said it's a lot more like a professional athlete than you'd think. Um, you have to have talent, but it's more like being a professional athlete than a delicate artiste. You start out with some talent and spend years of your life and a lot of money developing and honing and perfecting that talent to be viable and appealing to opera companies and other performing arts organizations. Then you've got to maintain it like an athlete and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was thinking about that for sports or musicians or uh, uh, especially. You spend way more time practicing than doing it at the level that you know you got into it for, right? So oh, you, a thousand you, times. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not even close, so you got to right. like shooting baskets alone in a gym if you're Steph Curry because you're going to spend a thousand times more time doing that than you are in front of the cheering crowd. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing I'd throw into that, having uh, warbled rock and roll music at times, is it's much more physical than people imagine who don't do it. Uh, Playing and singing for an hour and a half, two hours, is exhausting. Um, it's amazing that so many drug addicts can do it, but you develop those muscles. <laughs> well, they tend anyway. to be young usually, but. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a pastor, one of the more interesting things he said is the funerals are a lot more interesting than the weddings. 
because you get down to what really matters about life. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas really weddings do. are just cheery, cheery, hey, hey, isn't this wonderful? Uh, pharmacists, the most interesting thing the pharmacist said was, I think most people would be shocked to learn how anti-medication some of us are. Oh, wow. Medications are seldom the sole factor when it comes to addressing health issues, and polypharmacy, that's taking more than one drug, leads to countless adverse reactions, increases the risk of medication errors, and ultimately enriches drug companies who want you to remain unwell. So a lot of pharmacists are really medicine skeptical. I'd like to know more about that. Are you a pharmacist? Please expound. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I can see how if you're giving, like, just to use a very broad example, if you're giving some really overweight person their various blood pressure medicine, for instance, regularly mm-hmm. thinking, have you, have you tried something not a pill that might fix this problem? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the screenwriter one I thought was so interesting because I've written several screenplays and I, I like writing and that sort of thing, but I've never, I've never had time to pitch them really. And so it was just kind of an exercise for my brain that I enjoyed. Um, and, uh, this guy says most of the job involves talking, not writing. Um, I, I like writing. I like the battle that goes on between my brain and the blank page, blah, blah, blah. But there's the thing nobody tells you when you decide you want to be a screenwriter, especially a TV writer. Most of your time and most of your job involves talking, not writing. You have to sell producers on your ideas. Then you have to discuss their notes. Then you have to do it all over again with the studios and then the networks. And then you have to do it even more as your script veers chaotically toward production and more collaborators get involved. You have to talk to directors and actors. It's endless. The business of writing in Hollywood then is really the business of talking. Um, if you only want to write, don't come to Hollywood. Interesting. Yeah. And then this is my favorite. And I am so sorry. I can't swear on the air. <laughs> because it's from a sailor. <clears throat> and it is riddled with obscenities. I am going to say ducking. He swears like a of- sailor. It's a she. She swears like a sailor. Which I'll, I'll explain in a second. And, and the GD bomb. I just, I don't want to offend our devout listeners. I'll say gall darn, even though a lot of people say that's too close, but I don't, you know, forgive us. We're saying gall darn is too close. Yeah, I know. Uh, so the sailor says, I'm a sailor by profession, a delivery skipper to be exact. My husband and I deliver brand new sailboats all over the planet. Before anyone gets their panties all in a wad, let me just inform you that, yes, swearing like a sailor is a real thing. No. Because, <laughs> because, well, we all, oh my God, get the, get the dump button ready, Michael. <laughs> because, well, we all ducking swear like sailors. Here's some big myths about my job and the actual reality. You guys are living the dream. If one more person says that to me, I'm going to ducking throat punch them. <laughs> of course we're not. Whose ducking dream is it to have a god d hurricane form overhead while they're working? We've had it happen, and it sucks. There's nowhere to run and hide. You must have a great time out there watching the sunset, kicking back, having a beer. What a life. F you. <laughs> We don't drink while sailing. You'd be an idiot to drink while sailing, even on your own boat. When things go wrong at sea, things go wrong very, very fast. And it's usually a cascading series of events. If you're hanging out here being a drunk, ducking slob, chances are you're going to get hurt, hurt someone, or die, or all of the above. It takes that long to get to Tahiti? Don't you stop? What are you a ducking moron? (laughs) 
And I'll point out again, this is the chick. She's the fairer sex. What does her husband sound like? There's nothing out there. Look at a GD map. At one point in the middle of the Pacific, we're in what is called the null zone. We're actually closer to the people on the International Space Station than we are to actual land and people. Fascinating. It's a very cool fact, but also intimidating. If something goes very, very wrong, who are we going to call for help? Buzz ducking light year? <laughs> when I'm sailing the boat, my husband sleeps and vice versa. We see each other at watch change in our one big meal a day, dinner. Unless something goes wrong, then it's all hands on deck until it's not wrong anymore. That could be anywhere from four hours to four days or more. That's Ooh. very funny, but... Uh... You chose the lifestyle, and sorry for me thinking you probably chose it because you liked it. She's going to ducking throat punch you. <laughs> Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. What you're listening to now is the Armstrong and Getty Show, but make sure to check out our many podcasts. There's Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, featuring interviews with interesting people. There's Armstrong and Getty Select Cuts. That's short highlights from the radio show. And Armstrong and Getty One More Thing, featuring stuff you don't hear on the radio show ever. All are free, and all are available on the iHeart app or wherever you like to download your podcasts. Generation Z wants to cancel the hostile, using quotes, hostile thumbs up emoji. And wants to ban nine others. Gen Zers are calling out the popular thumbs up emoji for being rude and hostile, even saying they feel attacked whenever they see it used in the world workplace. Oh, shut up. Well, what I didn't realize is for younger people, and uh, they quote a whole bunch of people on Reddit. This got started on a Reddit thread and a whole bunch of other people joined in. For whatever reason, under a certain age, it's a different thing than it is for people who are older than that. So if I say, you know, uh, yeah, the meetings have got moved till six o'clock and Joe sends me the thumbs up emoji, it's just I assume it means. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. But for you, the younger crowd, it's sarcastic. It's a oh, great, nice job. The thumbs up emoji is it's a sarcastic, passive aggressive. Well, sarcastic and passive aggressive. It's so they're misinterpreting what I'm saying. Therefore, I should change. No, you should learn the way it's. You're young. You're inexperienced. You're child. Learn what people mean. Well, perhaps you're misinterpreting the way. I mean, emojis are a young person thing. You're misinterpreting the way it uh, it 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 uh, it was meant to be. I am old. I am powerful. I hold great wealth and position. Conform to me, child. That's my message to them. I mean, I have. And I'm seen... only partly kidding. If my boss, my first job, actually my first, like every freaking job I had until, you know, the show really hit, and now they're careful around us. But anyway, um, but in my first couple of jobs, the idea that my boss would say something and I would just demand he change the way he's talking as opposed to saying to somebody, what do you mean? Oh, okay. Come on. So these younger Redditors say they get the thumbs up emoji and it's confusing to them. They think, so am I not supposed to be at the meeting at that time? Or was that a bad idea to suggest that? Or uh, for younger people, the thumbs up emoji is used to be passive aggressive. One person saying it's super rude if someone just sends you a thumbs up emo- uh, reaction to something. I had a weird time adjusting because in my workplace because I'd been using it differently. Older workers appeared flummoxed by the reaction, noting that they used the thumbs up in work-related chats to signal I approve or I understand or will obey. <laughs> Some older workers even went on angry rants on the radio. <laughs> uh, part of the issue is that young people tend to use the thumbs up in jest. I only use it sarcastically, said this 24-year-old. Okay. So well, it's worth knowing I, if I'm interacting with anybody younger to know that a lot of them interpret it as sarcasm. It is interesting, sociolinguistically. Uh, on the other hand, the idea that uh, because, you know, youngsters freak out, the plain, straightforward meaning should no longer be used. I just disagree. Everyone in my office doesn't do it, but the Gen X people always use the emoji, What wrote this one woman who worked in an office place, she's younger. Took me a bit to adjust and get out of my head that it means they're, that doesn't mean that they're mad at me. <laughs> So, Again, the tragedy of having to adjust at something early in your career. Adjust to something, I should say. It's pretty hilarious, though. You're the 50-year-old office manager woman, and you send the thumbs-up emoji to someone, yes. and they think you're attacking them or being sarcastic. <laughs> right. You were a child. Do? Oh, do something great else. job. Congratulations is what they think. <laughs> the way they're receiving it. <laughs> 
What else? Oh, there are a bunch of others that they're uh, uh, the Reddit list of uh, emojis they feel like should be canceled because they're mean spirited or whatever. Thumbs up was number one on the list, followed by the red heart, the OK hand, the check mark, poo, poo, a little stack of poo. I don't like that. I don't use any emojis, but the last mm. one I would ever use if I use them is going to be a little stack of poo. People yeah. matter. That's right, Johnny. It's odd that you would be moderating this discussion as you have this weird fear of emojis. I have a Taliban-like stance on emojis. Yes, I do. Emojophobia. Yes, yes. I'm strong and get it. That's not inspiring. It's not fair. It seems irresponsible. It's cold. You know, it's not a victory. It's a it's a surrender. Doesn't it's 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 so childish. It's so juvenile. Yeah. Upper yeah, ego. this is great. We Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.